Hello, this is Rick, and welcome to another special episode of the Presence Podcast. If you are not one of my students and you're listening to this, you might be wondering, why is Rick recording these readings of various books of the Bible? Well, as I've said before on my podcast, I am a religion teacher, and we're doing distance learning, and my freshman students, and hello to you if you are one of my freshman students uh, listening to this, My freshman students are studying the Old Testament, and as part of their distance learning, we're exploring different books of the Old Testament, especially books that they may not be familiar with. And rather than have them sit and read the books, I'm having them listen to the books. Now, why is this important? Well, a couple reasons, at least. First of all, because the books of the Bible were not originally intended to be read. That's right. At the time these books were written, most people, the vast majority of people, were not literate. And therefore, the books were designed to be proclaimed or maybe sung or maybe um, chanted, but certainly to be read aloud and to be heard with the ears rather than read with the eyes. So I want to give my students an experience of what it is like to listen to these texts. Secondly, it gives them the opportunity to multitask. I love to listen to podcasts. I love to listen to music. And most of the time when I'm listening to a podcast or listening to music, I'm doing something else. Washing the dishes is one of my favorite, well, not favorite, but one of my most common pastimes during which I listen to music, but mostly podcasts. So I'm doing this so that my students can multitask as they listen, rather than just sitting and reading these books of the Bible. So this is actually going to be the first of three separate books that I'm recording back to back to back in this feed. And this is the book of the wisdom of Solomon. And if you stay with me through this short break, uh, we'll be back with Sex Selections from the Wisdom of Solomon, a book that you might not be familiar with because it is one of the seven books that are found in the Catholic version of the Old Testament and oftentimes not in Protestant Christian versions of the Old Testament. So stay with me. We'll be right back with the Wisdom of Solomon. So the Book of Wisdom of Solomon, sometimes just called the Book of Wisdom, as I mentioned, is one of the Catholic seven books. I'm not going to go into detail as to why Catholics have seven books and other these these seven books, and Protestant Christians don't always include these. My students should remember the reason why, but if you're not sure, it's called the Septuagint, and uh, you can look that up anywhere good information can be found. A little bit about the Book of Wisdom before I read some um, verses, some chapters and verses from it. It was composed in Greek by a Hellenistic Jew, which would be a Greek Jew. Um, It is probably dated to the late part of the first century BCE. The first part of the book does talk about immortality, which is interesting. And one of the um, chapters that I'm going to read from, which is chapter three, uh, very much is about immortality. 
And it also, interestingly enough, talks about Egypt and the plagues in chapter 11 later in the book. The other thing to know is that in the book, wisdom is personified and it is uh, feminine, a very female sort of is, uh, image. And uh, you might also be familiar with this, that in Greek, Sophia, uh, the name that we give to people today still, uh, it's a feminine name and that means wisdom in, in Greek. So um, again, this is written as a, a dialogue between uh, Solomon, who is known for his great wisdom, although most likely he did not write the book, um, and Lady Wisdom, who is this personification of wisdom. And you'll, you'll hear the, um, the difference in the dialogue. So I'll tell you the verses that I'm reading. Uh, you can certainly follow along if you'd like. Um, but here are some uh, selections from the Book of Wisdom. This is chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Love righteousness, you rulers of the earth. Think of the Lord in goodness and seek him with sincerity of heart because he is found by those who do not put him to the test and manifests himself to those who do not distrust him. For perverse thoughts separate people from God and when his power is tested, it exposes the foolish because wisdom will not enter a deceitful soul or dwell in a body enslaved to sin. For a holy and disciplined spirit will flee from deceit and will leave foolish thoughts behind and will be ashamed at the approach of unrighteousness. For wisdom is a kindly spirit, but will not free blasphemers from the guilts of their words, because God is witness of their inmost feelings, and a true observer of their hearts, and a hearer of their tongues. Because the Spirit of the Lord has filled the world, and that which holds all things together knows what is said, therefore those who utter unrighteous things will not escape notice, and justice, when it punishes, will not pass them by. For an inquiry will be made into the counsels of the ungodly, and a report of their words will come to the Lord to convict them of their lawless deeds, because a jealous ear hears all things, and the sound of grumbling does not go unheard. Beware, then, of useless grumbling, and keep your tongue from slander, because no secret word is without result, and a lying mouth destroys the soul. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. But the souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of the foolish they seem to have died, and their departure was thought to be a disaster, and their going from us to be their destruction. But they are at peace, for though in the sight of others they were punished, their hope is full of immortality. Having been disciplined a little, they will receive great good, because God tested them and found them worthy of himself. Like gold in the furnace, he tried them, and like a sacrificial burnt offering, he accepted them. In the time of their visitation, they will shine forth and will run like sparks through the stubble. They will govern nations and rule over people, and the Lord will reign over them forever. Those who trust in him will understand truth, and the faithful will abide with him in love, because grace and mercy are upon his holy ones, and he watches over his elect." But the ungodly will be punished as their reasoning deserves those who discarded the righteous and rebelled against the Lord. For those who despise wisdom and instruction are miserable. Their hope is vain, their labors are unprofitable, and their works are useless. Chapter 6, verses 12 through 25. 
Wisdom is radiant and unfading, and she is easily discerned by those who love her, and is found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known to those who desire her. One who rises early to seek her will have no difficulty, for she will be found sitting at the gate. To fix one's thoughts on her is perfect understanding, and one is, who is vigilant on her account will soon be free from care, because she goes about seeking those worthy of her, and she graciously appears to them in their paths and meets them in every thought. The beginning of wisdom is the most sincere desire for instruction, and concern for instruction is love of her. And love of her is the keeping of her laws, and giving heed to her laws is assurance of immortality. And immortality brings one near to God, so the desire for wisdom leads to a kingdom. Therefore, if you delight in thrones and scepters, O monarchs, over the people, honor wisdom so that you may reign forever. I will tell you what wisdom is and how she came to be, and I will hide no secrets from you. But I will trace her course from the beginning of creation and make knowledge of her clear. And I will not pass by the truth, nor will I travel in the company of sickly envy, for envy does not associate with wisdom. The multitude of the wise is the salvation of the world, and a sensible king is the stability of any people. Therefore, be instructed by my words, and you will profit." Chapter 7, verses 21 through 30. I learn both what is secret and what is manifest, for wisdom, the fashioner of all things, taught me. There is in her a spirit that is intelligent, holy, unique, manifold, subtle, mobile, clear, unpolluted, distinct, invulnerable, loving the good, keen, irresistible, beneficent, humane, steadfast, sure, free from anxiety, all-powerful, overseeing all and penetrating through all spirits that are intelligent, all spirits that are intelligent, pure, and altogether subtle. For wisdom is more mobile than any motion. Because of her pureness, she pervades and penetrates all things. For she is a breath of the power of God and a pure emanation of the glory of the Almighty. Therefore, nothing defiled gains entrance into her. For she is a reflection of eternal light, a spotless mirror of the working of God and an image of his goodness. Although she is but one, she can do all things, and while remaining in herself, she renews all things. In every generation, she passes into holy souls and makes them friends of God and prophets, for God loves nothing so much as the person who lives with wisdom. She is more beautiful than the sun and excels every constellation of the stars. Compared with the light, she is found to be superior, for it is succeeded by the night. But against wisdom, evil does not prevail. She reaches mightily from one end of the earth to the other, and she orders all things well. Chapter 8, verses 2 through 10. I loved her and sought her from my youth. I desired to take her for my bride and became enamored of her beauty. She glorifies her noble birth by living with God, and the Lord of all loves her, for she is an initiate in the knowledge of God and an associate in his works. If riches are a desirable possession in life, what is richer than wisdom, the active cause of all things? And if understanding is effective, who more than she is fashioner of what exists? And if anyone loves righteousness, her labors are virtues, for she teaches self-control and prudence, justice and courage. Nothing in life is more profitable for mortals than these. 
And if anyone longs for wide experience, she knows the things of old and infers the things to come. She understands turns of speech and the solution of riddles. She has foreknowledge of signs and wonders and of the outcome of seasons and times. Therefore, I determined to take her to live with me, knowing that she would give me good counsel and encouragement in cares and grief. And lastly, chapter 11, 1 through 26. Wisdom prospered their works by the hand of a holy prophet. They journeyed through an uninhabited wilderness and pitched their tents in untrodden places. They withstood their enemies and fought off their foes. When they were thirsty, they called upon you, and water was given them out of flinty rock, and from hard stone a remedy for their thirst. For through the very things by which their enemies were punished, they themselves received benefit in their need. Instead of the fountain of an ever-flowing river, stirred up and defiled with blood in rebuke for the decree to kill the infants, you gave them abundant water unexpectedly, showing by their thirst at that time how you punish their enemies. For when they were tried, though they were being disciplined in mercy, they learned how the ungodly were tormented when judged in wrath. For you tested them as a parent does in warning, but you examined the ungodly as a stern king does in condemnation. Whether absent or present, they were equally distressed, for a twofold grief possessed them and a groaning at the memory of what had occurred. For when they heard that through their own punishments the righteous had received benefit, they perceived it was the Lord's doing. For though they had mockingly rejected him who long before had been cast out and exposed, at the end of the events they marveled at him when they felt thirst in a different way from the righteous." In return for their foolish and wicked thoughts, which led them astray to worship, irrational serpents and worthless animals, you sent upon them a multitude of irrational creatures to punish them, so that they might learn that the one is punished by the very things by which one sins. For your all-powerful hand, which created the world out of formless matter, did not lack the means to send upon them a multitude of bears or bold lions or newly created unknown beasts full of rage or such as breathe out fiery breath or belch forth a thick pall of smoke or flash terrible sparks from their eyes. Not only could the harm they did destroy people, but the mere sight of them could kill by fright. Even apart from these, people could fall at a single breath when pursued by justice and scattered by the breath of your power. But you have arranged all things by measure and number and weight. For it is always in your power to show great strength, and who can withstand the might of your arm? Because the whole world before you is like a speck that tips the scales, like a drop of morning dew that falls on the ground. But you are merciful to all, for you can do all things. And you overlook people's sins so that they might repent. For you love all things that exist and detest none of the things that you have made. For you would not have made anything if you had hated it. How would anything have endured if you had not willed it? Or how would anything not called forth by you have been preserved? You spare all things, for they are yours, O Lord. Who, you who love the living, for your immortal spirit is in all things. Well, thank you for listening. That is a bit of a taste of the Book of Wisdom of Solomon.